I'd like to give a shear to, in, uh, to explain, at least from my perspective, what seems to be going on. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people walking around confused in a daze because the, the uh, events of last week, which was, of course, the United States elections, in many ways has been surprising and shocking. And people, of course, are totally confused in terms of what's happening. So I think it's very important and very necessary to explain the logic and the rationale uh, of what seems to be transpiring. Now, of course, from our perspective, it doesn't make any sense. You know, especially when we think about the fact that, you know, Trump is a messianic figure, which I've mentioned countless amount of times, and that he's the concept of Tosha Be'isov, <clears throat> you see, which is an individual that has to assist the Jewish people to do their tikkun. And of course, I've said this many times. So if this is the case, that would seem to mean uh, that the messianic process has begun, at least on some level. I mean, we're not talking about the Mashiach, obviously, uh, because obviously the Mashiach, of course, is Jewish. You have the Mashiach ben Yosef, you have the Mashiach ben David. So we're not talking about that. But we are talking in terms of precursors. You know, those things which seem to precede the coming of the Mashiach. And there's no question that when you look at what Trump has done, you know, for the almost four years that he's been president, uh, it's obviously unprecedented in terms of what he's done. And all of it furthers the muzzle of Klai Yisrael, of the Jewish people. We see that clearly. And we also know that he's obviously probably the greatest president in American history in terms of his... Uh, his uh, actions toward the state of Israel, toward the Jewish people in general. So there's no question that his reign, if you want to use that word, has been unique. And therefore we can certainly describe it in messianic terms. And besides that, through many of the shurim, I've given you the, the ideas, the proofs of, of what the Chazals say, our rabbis say, uh, in different places that clearly say, or elude certainly, to the fact that in the end of time, Esau will repent. He will do tshuva, and he will fulfill the verse in the Torah, Rav Ya'avoy Tzoya, that the older will serve the younger. And we, of course, I mentioned last time that it is a prophecy, and therefore it must be fulfilled. <clears throat> and the truth is that that's exactly what, it, what he's been doing. You see, and I also mentioned, of course, <clears throat> that Trump, uh, basically, in that in that perspective, in that mission, if you want to use those words, has basically four jobs, and really they are all involved in the messianic program. And the first one I mentioned, if you recall, was that his job, one, is to assist the Jewish people primarily in re restoring the land of Israel to the Jewish people. And he's done that, we know that. He's done that with the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, declaring Jerusalem as the capital, 
right, of Israel, and the fact that obviously if it's a capital, then Israel is the state of Israel, Israel is a state. And the, of course, he has uh, legitimatized the Golan, he's removed the, the uh, stain of international law, that they do not violate international law uh, in terms of the territories. So clearly what he has done is substantial uh, and, and certainly noteworthy in terms of assisting the Jews. I mentioned the second task, which clearly again is messianic, is that he has been a tremendous defender of the Jewish people, you know, against Europe, uh, against uh, the UN, the United Nations, against all the anti-Semites and the liberals, uh, and, uh, and it's, uh, there's so many people, Iran, so many uh, nations and peoples that have been against the Jews. And he has protected them, which is unheard of. The third idea I mentioned is that his other job is to make America great. And I have connected that to the messianic process. How? Because if America becomes great, then everybody will respect America again, notwithstanding Obama's attempt to destroy the Statue of America. But if that's the case, then everybody knows that the path to Israel, or rather the path to America, right, is to uh, have a tremendous uh, uh, benevolent relationship with Israel. Because they know that Trump completely is in Israel's uh, court, and so on. So therefore, everybody wants to, you know, court Israel uh, in, because they really want to, of course, uh, be connected and associated uh, and receive the largesse of America. And the third idea I mentioned, a fourth idea, is that his job is also to, to be metahir, to in many ways we've remove the defilement of America. And he has done that, as I mentioned, uh, by appointing over 300 judges, conservative judges, and they're all young, uh, to the uh, federal bench, which is an incredible uh, victory, if you may use that word. And not only that, but he appointed three Supreme Court justices, which of course are all basically conservative. So that will help enormously in straightening out America from its corruption and its deviations from the norm, which I will get into. So those are four jobs which clearly are all in the direction of a, in many ways, a redemption or a salvation. And that's what it means, that he is clearly part of the Messianic program. So, if that's the case, how is it possible that in last week's election, you know, he doesn't seem to have won? And, uh, and we know that Biden has declared victory, and not Biden really, but the, the media, you know, the press, and, uh, you know, the, the uh, NBC, and the, 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 the uh, uh, televisions, and so on. So we don't understand what's going on here. Could it be that the Rebunishan wants to remove the Toyf Shebe'esav and stop him? And if that's the case, what would be the logic? Well, that's what I'd like to go into tonight and explain what I think is going on. And then afterwards, to try to explain what are the possibilities, what are the events that can occur that uh, are possible? Not, you know, notwithstanding, or rather in, in lieu of the fact of what we see today. So to begin with, we have to, have, we have to know certain ideas. Again, as a very important introduction. Because what I'm going to speak about tonight 
is, is a, the, the tremendous uh, ideas and depth of the hashkafa, of the divine plan. And, and obviously, one would expect that this is what's going on in order to, to have some type of attempt to some type of clarification. So, what I'd like to start with is that um, there are two basic actions that the Jews do. And this is really the tikkun. And of course, uh, there's a great deal to talk about them, which I've elaborated on previously. But these are important points to mention. The first idea, like I said, there are two main actions. And this is what the tikkun is. What God did, what the Rabbani Shalom did, is he created a physical universe. You see. But the Rabbani Shalom does not want the universe or creation, or at least our part of it, it's called the Olam HaShofel, the lower world. He doesn't want it to remain physical, you see. What he wants is several stages. Uh, and I'm not going to go heavily into that. But the first thing that God wants to do is to remove the impurity, the, the satanic impurity of what is called the Zoyhamor, which was a result of the sin of the Odom Harishim. And the Zoyama of the Satan, it's his, like his projection where he can control the physical world, um, is responsible for death, for decomposition, uh, which is really the, the, the second law of thermodynamics. But in any case, and therefore what God wants is that the Jewish people have, has to turn the physical universe, or I should say render the physical universe without a satanic uh, uh, control to remove the zoyamor, which is the satanic projection of tumor of defilement into the physical universe you see that's responsible for many physical laws god wants the jewish people to remove that to remove this thing called zoyamor, which means defilement or pollution and what that will do is leave a world or a physical world as physical without any satanic involvement. And where is that? That's the messianic era, you see. And therefore, what we are in now is the physical universe that is joined together with this zoyama, this pollution, which is responsible for the complete decomposition of all matter and energy and so on. And he wants to get rid of that, that's what God wants, and remove this zoyama and make a world which has no decomposition, no death, nothing. You see, no sickness, no death, nothing bad, because in the end it's all part of a satanic uh, prosecutions. And that is the messianic era. And then eventually from that, what God wants to do is change the messianic era which is the last era of this physical world. And like I mentioned a long time ago, it ends in the English year 2240. He wants to change that, change that into a spiritual domain. And therefore, the physical universe now becomes spiritual without physicality. And, uh, and so on. So these are at least the, the major ideas of what constitutes Tikkun. Now the way it's done, is that we have a Jew by, and I, I, I show how, he has to what's called enlarge or magnify the, what's called a Shefa, or the divine energy of the spheres. The spheres 
are divine energies or divine forces and they create realities. So the Jew has to increase the divine energy uh, to this world, which is the light, the energy of the spheres, and then this world will change, as I said, from a world without Zoyamo, A, and B, uh, to a, a spiritual world. So that's called in Hebrew, Hispashtis Kedusha. That is where holiness will grow. The second thing, however, is that there are blockages to this, you see. And the main block is that if the Jews don't do the Tikkun, which we will know is through the mitzvahs, the commandments, then what happens is the divine flow which comes to this world will then be transferred to the Sultan. And I don't want to get into the whole thing, but that's what happens. And therefore, essentially, the Sultan gets this tremendous divine energy and he's able to use it. And the second thing is that it is a block on the divine energy, the Shefa, the divine holiness that, uh, that uh, energizes and, and, and creates and sustains this world. So two ideas. Bring down the energy and don't block it. That's the Tikkun, you see. Unfortunately, of course, is that there's a tremendous amount of blockage, you see. <clears throat> and therefore, God is always concerned with that blockage. Because in order for the Mashiach to come, that blockage has to be removed. Which essentially means that the Sultan has to give back all the things that he stole from the Jews because of their sins, return it or restore it to the Jewish people, and then that energy that is restored to the Jewish people, together with the new energy coming down from the spheres, will come down to this planet and begin that change, as I mentioned, the different uh, eras or tukufas of, of this uh, transformation. And, and so on. So, this is what concerns God. Now, we know that what brings down the energy is called mitzvahs, commandments. What removes blockages, if the Jews sin, is if the Jews repent, A, or B, if the Jews suffer. That is the real concept of suffering, without getting into the ultimate mechanics of how it works. But suffering by a Jewish person, or actually by any person, will reduce, but especially the Jew, in fact, primarily by the Jew. The, the suffering of a Jew will remove blockages, where the energy of the Sultan is now transferred back to the Jew, you see. So those are the three devices that are involved in the Tikkun process itself. And therefore, we come to two, two very important ideas. The concept of din, justice. And that's really cause and effect, you see. And there's always the concept of justice, you see, midas hadin, where the question of any individual Jew of the nation is, to what extent have they brought down this divine energy, A, but more important, to what extent have they blocked this divine energy? And that's the concept of justice, that God's behavior toward these people, toward Jews, depends on what they've done in these two areas of the Tikkun process, the rectification process. Now, what God has done in order to help the Jewish people, and actually the entire world, but certainly the Jewish people, is the concept of Midas Rachamim, the attribute of mercy, 
And what is that? Where God will not immediately, let's assume a Jew sinned, and what he'd instituted is a tremendous blockage of divine energy in whatever area he is assigned to. So what God has instituted is mercy, where God will withhold judgment, justice, will not punish the Jew in any way or make him suffer, but he will suspend or delay judgment because he wants to allow the Jew to repent, you see, and in some way to overturn the blockage that he created. And that's Midas Rachman, very simply stated. is It is a suspension of justice where God wants the Jew to reverse the blockage that the Jew did of these divine energies. So God uh, has these two Midas character traits, if you want to call them that. One is Midas Hadin, justice, where that which a Jew caused will, be, will happen to him. And the second thing uh, is Midas Rachman, where God at different times will suspend the judgment and allow the Jew to continue without suffering, hoping that the Jew in some way will remove the blockage. Now, who is assigned to this? So God creates an angel. That angel is called the Satan, the Satan. And he has three jobs. His major job overall, you see, is to uphold and to execute judgment. He's the guy, angel, that is assigned that task. That he has to allow a Jewish person, or actually any person in any of the nations, okay, to engage in what is called behaviors. And those behaviors will then be judged, you see. And therefore the Satan has three jobs, all under the, the category called to, uh, to administer or to execute judgment or justice. One is that he is the Yetzirah, which means that he is the uh, Malach that tempts you to sin, because that's the whole point, is to be tempted and to see what you'll do. And if you, of course, do not sin, then you not only have not blocked the, the light of the spheres, the energy, but you will have brought it down, you see. So the Satan's first job is the uh, Yetzirah, which is the evil inclination, to try to involve you in that test. The second job is called the Satan, which means adversary, where if you do it, he will prosecute you in a heavenly tribunal, right? And that already, of course, is dinam, judgments. That's his second job. In that job is called Satan, which means, of course, adversary. And the third job is that if you are found guilty in that heavenly tribunal court, then he will assume his third job, which again is, ju is judgment or din, he will assume that job, and that's called the Malachamovis, which is the angel of death. Not that he kills, but he is assigned also to execute the judgment of the court. It's almost like a sheriff. So the Sultan's got these three jobs, and all of them are under the concept, you see, the very important foundational concept called the whole arena or area of judge, uh, judgment. That's Dinam. Okay. Therefore, as a result of that, the Satan is always doing his job. Now, in a certain way, it's very good because that helps the Jewish people, obviously. And not only that, it fulfills the will of God because God wants to give a person exactly what he earned because that was the decree that he has to earn his right in the future world. And therefore, the way to do that, he's got to be tested. And then we see what he did. But basically, he has to bring down energy and he has to not block it. 
prophecy. So therefore, there will always be judgments, you see. And that's the job of the Sultan, you see. Therefore, if that's the case, then many times the problem is that God wants to do things which the Jews don't deserve because he moves the progression of history at different times which only he knows that he wants to do certain things. So obviously that also comes under the idea called judgment where the Sutton, and he has the right to do this, will stand up in the tribunal and say, wait a minute, you know, with all due respect, the Jews don't deserve this because the Sutton analyzes judgment, dinam. What exactly have the Jews caused? You know, how much blockage is there? And so on. And he has a right to do that because that's his task, that's his job. So many times God wants to bring things and all of a sudden God in certain sense is faced with the very judgment that he instituted. You see, now the world will not survive that way. And that is why God instituted, you see, the concept of Midas Rachamim, which we know from the beginning of Bracious. And what Midas Rachamim, I said, he suspends the judgment. So God will suspend many times punishments, sufferings that a person deserves or the Jewish people deserve, right? In order to allow them to do tshuva perhaps or to give them more time to think about what they did and so on, you see. So therefore, that's one way to deal with judgment is the concept of Rachmim, you see. But remember, in the end, Rachmim only has a certain time limit, you see. And if the person, we'll talk about that, has not done repentance, then the person then begins to suffer in a certain way, in different ways. First, he, his property suffers, and then he suffers, and it's spread out without getting into the whole concept of dinim. But Midas Rachmim is there to mitigate Midas Adin. That's how God deals with dinim, you see. Because without that, the world cannot survive. If there was strict justice, the world cannot survive. But is this the only way God deals with it? And the answer is, of course not. There are other ways God deals with the attribute of justice, you see, in order for the Jewish people to survive and not suffer, but also in order for them to get benefits, good things that they need also, even though judgment is against that because they don't deserve it. What's another way? And therefore God, in many ways, is concerned with that. Because like I said, his objective ultimately is that the Jews do the tikkun. And he does, have, of course, he does not want to destroy the Jews. He doesn't want to destroy the world. So therefore he's concerned in many times to mitigate the judgment itself. So rachamim, compassion, is one of the ways. Now there's a second way, which is very interesting where God will actually conceal from the Satan a benefit that he wants to bring the world. It's amazing. Now remember, the Satan doesn't know everything. He only knows what his job is if God wants him to know. So what God will do is conceal a tremendous benefit that he wants the Jews to have, but he does not want it to be subject to judgment, you see. Now you may say, wait a minute, if the Jews don't deserve it, why should it happen? Well, there are different reasons. One of the ideas is because there's something independent of the Jew, and that's called the timetable of the plan of creation. 
and only God knows what the exact timetable is. And the second thing is that many times God will do something where even if the Jews don't deserve it now, but God knows that they will deserve it in the future. It's interesting. So therefore, he may give them the gift or the benefit now, and in the future, right, for, uh, now, even though in the future they will deserve it. And God will do that, and that's part of his incredible chesed, loving kindness to the Jewish people. But remember, in the end, the Jews must deserve everything they get. It may not have to be now. But it could be in the future. But they have to adhere to the attribute of justice. <clears throat> That's a very important concept. But there, like I say, there are many ways of mitigating this. He conceals it. What's a good example? I'll give you a very interesting example. Pharaoh, Paroi, in Egypt decreed <clears throat> that the Jewish, all male Jewish children must die. Right? We know, the, the, of course, the story of Egypt where he decreed that because he was afraid that there's going to be, the, his advisors told him that, uh, you know, somebody was born that's going to overthrow him, whatever. And therefore, Paris said, well, I can't have that, obviously, because he was afraid that the Jews will join an enemy that attacks Egypt, and therefore they will be freed from slavery. So he, he decreed that all Jews should die. And when was Moshe Rabbeinu born? Exactly at that time. And we know the story, of course, from Shemais, from Exodus. Now, why would Moshe Rabbeinu be born then? Because what the Rabbeinu Shem did is a classic strategy, you see, to allow benefits to happen to the Jewish people. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu is basically the greatest candidate of the Mashiach, Ben Yosef. That's really what he is. So what God does is the Satan is busy prosecuting Jews, right, and they're dying. Uh, so therefore, in that in that drive to prosecute the Jews, because every death needs a prosecution, it can't happen just because Paris said it, right? That could be the environment, but that has to be prosecuted. So while the Sultan is busy prosecuting, so to speak, God slips down the figure of the Mashiach himself. There you are. That's the concealment that God does, you see? <clears throat> so that's why in instances, which, by the way, it alludes to many, many things without getting into that. What the Mashiach does, what the God does, is he will slip down the Mashiach at a time that people are not aware and the Satan is not aware, you see, because he's busy doing something else. And in that way, God avoids the Messianic, uh, the, I should say, the Midas Hadin, the, the judgment process. That's a very important idea. And God does that throughout history. Like I said, we have no idea. Can I give you another example? Yes. <clears throat> you will find that many of the messianic possibilities, for instance, Dover HaMelech, the Mashiach, <clears throat> right? That God, what he does is that the, the forerunner of the Mashiach is Tumor, is defilement. So the Satan doesn't even bother looking because the Mashiach can't be defiled. He's probably one of the greatest people that ever lived. So God, the, the progress of the Mashiach is being born, is brought through different acts which are in certain ways either sinful or have a tremendous amount of immorality attached. So the Satan is deceived. What's a classic case? Loit. We know in last week's Parsha, right, Vayera, Sedoim was destroyed and Loit ran away with his two daughters 
and they thought of course that mankind was destroyed so they decided that it's up to them to propagate the human species so they both contrived to get their father drunk and then of course they would live with their father and produce offspring now their intentions were okay because if you think that the world is destroyed that makes sense but how does a daughter live with the father it's incest that's what I know is no matter what the justification is that's an incredible uh, act of immorality and who is born Moyov and from Moyov comes Rus, Ruth and she of course is the great-grandmother of Dovar HaMelech <coughs> so it comes out that one of the major forerunners of the birth of Dovar HaMelech who is obviously uh, the, uh, the, the, the messianic forerunner right antecedent is something is an act that was done with incest you see again in order to allow the sultan not to know that God just slipped down a messianic figure who was Rus without going into more into that you see and then without getting into the whole story Dovid HaMelech himself that his father Yishai and the sons, they all thought that Dover HaMelech was a mamza, without getting into the whole story, uh, and, and so on. But what that meant, of course, is that Dover HaMelech, he's a mamza, you see? But they didn't say anything, because they didn't want to bring a stigma on him or their family. And I'm not going into the whole story, it's an incredible medrash. But anyway, so when Shmuel Novi appeared to the house of Yishai and said, God has told me that I have to anoint one of your sons because he's the future king of Israel, you know, uh, so uh, uh, the, the Yishai sent for all his sons, all seven, six of them, but he did not send for the seventh, which is Dovra Melech, because how can a mamza be the king of Israel? And of course, Shmuel saw that the oil that he has, the anointing oil, Every time he came to one of the sons, right? So he had the prophecy and God said, he's not the one. Until he finally goes through all six of them and God says, none of them. So, so Shmuel Anomi says to Yishai, he says, it doesn't make sense. Because God said that I have to anoint one of your sons. He's gonna be the future king of Israel. And all I see is six, so Yishai says, an incredible statement, you know, I have one more son. Where is he now? He's a shepherd. He's watching the flock. You see, why isn't he here? Because Yishai said he can't be the machine. He can't be the, the king of Israel. You see, because he is a mamza. You see, illegitimate. That's what they thought. Without getting into the whole story. So of course, he Shmuel Anovi says, "Listen, it's got to be one of your family, right? Your sons. Call him." He calls him. David Melech walks into the door, and as soon as he does, the Medrash says that the anointing oil for the kings of Israel jumped out of his hand, flew across the room, and alighted itself on the head of David Melech. Like, could you imagine what kind of a vindication that is? And of course, then they realize that he's not a mom's and so on. But why did he do that? Because again, it's the concept of a messianic figure has to be right in some way and it, it have been produced by an immoral act tomorrow in any case this is the second way that god in, in many ways helps the jews by concealing from a sudden what uh, the, uh, uh, the, the the messianic program itself but then there's a third way which is very important which is an incredible strategy now what's the problem 
here's the problem that the Sultan right wants to prosecute dinam judgments you see and that's his job but the problem is the Sultan does not take bribes because an angel has no self-interest to take a bribe you see and if that's the case then the Sultan will always prosecute anything that he's aware of so what God does is an unbelievable strategy He's going to give the Sutton a self-interest other than the job of judgment, justice. And therefore, once he has a self-interest, then the other than that task, he can be bribed if the benefit is in concert with that self-interest. What is that self-interest? Well, Odomarishan sinned. So God goes over to Admiration and says, you know, originally you were supposed to do what? You were supposed to ignore the advice of the snake, which is a spokesperson for the Sutton, but you didn't. So your job was to ignore his advice and not buy into that. Since you did, your job is no longer to ignore his advice. Your job is to kill him. You must eradicate, obliterate, annihilate evil, destroy it. That's your new job. How? How do you destroy a malach? So the idea is that everything that exists is connected to God. It's like a cable. And through that connection, God sends forth a, a, an ore, a shefa, an influence, a divine energy from the spheres that creates that being and sustains the existence of that entity, you see. And everything has that. Everything that exists has that. So what God did after the sin of Adam is he went over to the Sutton's cable because even the Sutton is connected to God and he cut the cable before the Sutton is about to die and expire because everything needs that uh, life uh, sustenance. God takes the edge of the cable of the Sutton and he connects it to Adam Arishan. Astounding. So now the cable comes down from God, right? One side goes into Adam, cable, and the other cable, which used to be from the Sutton to God individually, and is now cable, connected to the cable of Adam, that is connected to the cable of Adam, you see. So it's incredible. The problem is, there's only enough energy coming down for only one side to exist and to flourish. So what determines the flow? Because if Adam gets the flow, the Sutton dies. Because he's now dependent on this. And if Adam sins, and that's how it works, then the Sutton gets to the flow. And that's the transfer of energy that I mentioned in the beginning of this year, of this lecture. You see. So now man is in combat with the Sutton. You see. So the ones who have replaced Adam Arishan is the Jewish people. So every Jew is connected to the Sutton. That means every act he does in some way will influence the growth of evil. If the Jew does mitzvahs, you see, then he brings down the Shefa and he gets it and he flourishes. If, however, he sins, then he goes to the Sutton and he flourishes. And I'm not going into the, you know, all the repercussions of this, which is basically the entire concept of history. But in any case, and it is the job of the Jew to do mitzvahs or if he does a sin and the Sutton gets that Kiddusha, that holiness, you see, then it is his job to repent. 
in which case he takes back the divine energy, or he suffers and that takes back the divine energy. You see? And that is our relationship with the Sutton. So we'll say, okay, it's fascinating. But what does this have to do with God mitigating justice? Aha! Because now the Sutton is not just concerned with his job, which is the what? Which is to, you know, uh, take up the position of justice. No. The Sutton's job is now what? To survive. And the only way he can survive is if he takes that flow of holiness. So instead of it going to other Mauritian or the Jew, it goes to him. And then he survives and flourishes, you see. Therefore, he has a self-interest. He is now biased. Which means that if a, a proposition is presented to him, you see, where he can either survive or do justice, guess what? He's bribed. He'd rather do the survival. <coughs> you see, this is a very, very important relationship. But we see the incredible strategy of God that it's not just to allow the Jew to destroy the Sutton, right? If he does the mitzvahs, he repents and he suffers, you see? But it is to give the Sutton a self-interest. And therefore, God can now bribe the Sutton by saying, and here's the way it works, right? That I want to bring something down which is of benefit to the entire progress of the tikkun. So, of course, the Sutton is going to examine immediately the justification. And he's going to say, they don't deserve this. So, God is going to say, wait a minute. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to bring it down because my program calls for it. But I'm going to give you a tremendous benefit that's going to come out of this. Right? What's the benefit? What is the greatest benefit to the Sutton? Is that the Jews sin. And then he could be yoyne, which means to nourish from the Jew himself. So the Sutton says to himself, okay, I'll be mavater. I will forego the judgment task because I want to survive and I want to flourish. And I will allow God to do the benefit because as associated with the benefit will be the ability to survive and flourish. What's incredible. So that is one of the strategies that God uses to, in order to mitigate judgment or justice. Now, do we have examples for that? Yes, I will give you three of them. And once you understand that, then you will understand what is going on with Trump. One example, God says in the heavenly tribunal, well, the time is to bring the what? The time is to bring uh, the, uh, the land of Israel back to the Jews. Because it's a beginning in many ways, 1898, of a messianic process. So of course, the suddenly immediately examines the blockage. And he says, wait a minute, right? They don't deserve this. There are so many Jews assimilating the reformed movement, you know, and, and so on is proliferating tremendously. They can't, they don't deserve this. So God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I will give the Jews the land of Israel. However, it will be founded by an atheist, Theodore Herzl. And what he's going to do is not only him, but the ones who will be in, uh, in charge of Israel will be the secular Zionists. And in order to be able to win the votes, they will try to destroy the religion of Judaism by the rest of the Jews, you see. So the Sultan says to himself, wow, what an opportunity. 
okay God you can do it give back the land of Israel however you have to and that God says fine I will give the the, the the ones who will be in charge of this land will be the secular Zionists and they will succeed in a certain sense or attempt to destroy Judaism which of course we know that they've been doing it for uh, 70 years you see that's a classic bribe because the son is interested in surviving at that point more than is he interested in what in doing the job of justice first example second example you see Kabbalah God says Kabbalah what is Kabbalah really it's basically the introduction to the origin to the messianic light without getting into it that's really what it is because Kabbalah is a description of the messianic process and the upper worlds and how they connect with the lower world and God's interaction with the upper world as he directs the lower world you see it's all about the metaphysical aspect of the physical universe so God says okay I want to begin the introduction to this I want to begin it begin the concept of Kabbalah you see and all of a sudden the sudden says wait a minute they don't deserve this right because the Jews are sinning so God says okay I'm gonna give Kabbalah and allow it to be taken by people who will violate and degrade Kabbalah without getting into specifics and that's exactly what he does and all of a sudden who's in Kabbalah Hollywood stars right all the people that are clearly into new age and what happens is Kabbalah becomes a new age phenomenon which is an unbelievable disgrace and degradation to Kabbalah but that was the deal you see because the sudden says ah because now I could degrade Kabbalah to such an extent right where the religious the Orthodox the Torah observant community will have nothing to do with Kabbalah you see that's what he's hoping so he allows it again it's a mitigation of justice third example is the internet God says I need a phenomenon where it's called international or global connectivity you see uh, because I want to bring the Messianic the Mashiach and in order for him to reach the world since the the whole concept of Mashiach will be a teva a natural means and not miraculous that will happen in the era of Mashiach ben David not Mashiach ben Yosef without getting into that um, and therefore I need a way that one man can give a lecture and speak to the entire world I need global connectivity well what is he how's he gonna do it he's not gonna do it to a male right ah so God says I want global connectivity therefore I'm gonna allow people to discover in fact that happened at the same time of new age of 1960s I want me to discover that there's a new phenomenon called the internet and that allows a person to be global connectivity so the Sutton says wait a minute can you know they don't deserve this because he obviously doesn't want the Mashiach because that will mean his end but God says but wait a minute I'm gonna give it to your guys first you see uh, so at least 50% of the people on the internet are, are there for what they're, they're for all kinds of absurd ideas and immoralities you see whether it be for pornographic reasons or for shopping or for involving themselves in tremendous amount of materialism all kinds of nonsense goes on waste of time you see I, I, I don't even want to get into that the amount of absurdities that people into the internet use you see I will let them get it first 
And of course, they will so degrade this form of communications, right? Uh, and that's your ability to get them to sin, which is what the Sutton wants. You see? Anyway, that's a third idea. And the fourth idea is very interesting, where God says, I want to begin the messianic process, stage one, which means I want to bring out the Toiv Shebe Esav, the good part of Esav, where Esav will now assist the Jewish people, you see, to do the Tikkun. But wait a minute, you see, now the Sutton doesn't want that, so of course he's going to argue and say, wait a minute, millions of Jews have nothing to do with Judaism. There's assimilation, there's intermarriage, there's so much sinning going on, right? Well, you can't bring this kind of thing, a toif shebeisav, a good part of Esav, in order to initiate a messianic process. So God says, don't worry, I will give you the benefit. What is that? And now let's take a look what the Chazal say. And you will begin to understand the strategy. There's a Gomorrah Sanhedrin that says the following, Yesei, let the Mashiach comes, Velo Yechmine, and I don't want to see it. There are many Amoroim, many great sages, Rabbi Yechonon and so on, that say, um, that they say, let the Mashiach come, but I don't want to see it. That's incredible, why? Because they know that when the Mashiach comes, there will not be redemption initially. There will be incredible darkness. That's what they know. You see? That's what they say. It's called mit or, the diminishment of light. And a tzaddik cannot stand a tremendous absence of spirituality. That's what they say. That when the Mashiach comes, he's not going to be accompanied by incredible spirituality and light enlightenment and so on? No, that'll be later. But initially, it's going to be accompanied by tremendous darkness. It's called mit or, the diminishment of, of light, you see. Now, the, uh, the question is, why? And the, the idea to that we know, which I've said before, is because there is a concept called the window. And that darkness is really the window closing. And that window the, the, it's like a house where the sun is shining and the windows are painted black. So the windows will close and therefore the house becomes darker and darker until at the last possible moment there's a slit. And that's the last light that enters the house. Therefore God will lower the window, you see, and that's incredible darkness. That's the concept. But of course we know that the window will not close. It will be about to close and it's, what will happen is the gates of redemption will open and they will be flooded, the redemption itself. But the question that we have to ask is why is there this darkness? Uh, you see, now there are many ideas to it. And I mentioned this previously, you know, that one of the ideas is because the Mashiach can't come because in, in, in many ways the Sutton is right. It is, there's a tremendous amount of sins that the Jews have committed, of which only God knows. And there's a tremendous amount of blockage of the awe. So therefore, justice must be satisfied, you see. Like I said, it's very important that Tikkun must be complete. And therefore, in order for justice to be satisfied, there has to be tremendous darkness and suffering on the world. 
So that's one idea. <clears throat> the second idea is that God will not remove evil until its measure has been filled. Yes, evil has a right, because of free will, to do what it can. And therefore it has the right to exercise the free will to do evil, right? Uh, and as a result of that, the world is filled with evil. Because, you know, uh, evil has a right to, 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 to fulfill its free will. Uh, but there's a certain measure that God says, okay, I will give you your free will, I will allow your free will only up to a certain point. And after that, your ability has been fulfilled to do evil with your free will, and I will destroy evil. So every nation has that, you see. We learn that, we learn that from Avram Avinu, because God promised Avram Avinu the land of Israel. Meanwhile, he gets to Israel, right? And there's no land, there's a famine and so on. But the main idea is that the Torah says, Vihakanani and the Canaanites, Ozboorets, were in the land. What does that mean? So Rashi says, because what that meant is that the, the evil was not totally fulfilled which, uh, by the Canaanites, and God therefore will not remove them. So even though he promised Avram Avinu, Abraham, that he was going to give, but evil has a right to fulfill its evil, because that's the concept of justice. You know, if you want to choose evil, then God does not stop you. You have a right to do that, you see. However, that right only has a certain measure. And since the measure was not filled in the time of Abraham, Canaanite Abraham could not have the land of Israel. That's where we learn this, you see. So, therefore, that's the second reason why there's darkness, you see. But there's something else interesting about the statement of the Chazal. Because it says, Yesei, let him come, v'loyichmine, and I don't want to see it. So, the normal idea is that, you know, when the Mashiach comes, it will be accompanied by a great deal of darkness, evil proliferating, and so on. But the two things is something more incredible. And that is that Yesei let him come. And, and I don't want to see it because the Mashiach will bring the evil. You see. It's not something else. The Messiah himself will be the harbinger, the agent of evil. You see. Which is incredible. That's why they say Yesei let him come. But we know based on Ashkafa, that is the Mashiach himself that will bring the evil. Not that it's going to happen in some side uh, uh, peripheral idea. And we have to ask why? And not only that, we can ask a, a question, you see, did this ever really happen? That the Mashiach himself causes the darkness, you see? That he allows evil to be, uh, be generated because of himself, not because of some side issue. And then we have to ask, why? And the idea to that is, yes, it did happen. When is the only time in history that the Mashiach came, basically? It's Moshe Rabbeinu, with Paro in Egypt. Right? So until then, the Jews were slaves. Fine. <clears throat> they are slaves. And as a result of that, <clears throat> they suffer. But all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu comes, and he says to Paro, God says, let my people go. And Paro says, wait a minute. They're, they're too busy thinking of redemption. So I'm going to issue a decree which called Xerah a decree of straw. Let them gather straw at night to build bricks. So originally it was the Egyptians that used to gather straw. But now the Jews have to gather straw at night. And in the daytime they have to bake the bricks. 
which means that what? They never sleep, and it's enormous amount of suffering. So who's responsible for this decree? It's Moshe Rabbeinu. Because had he not come, there would be no decree that Paroi do does. It was only because Moshe Rabbeinu said, God said to free them, that Paroi says, I want to take away their ability to think about redemption, and therefore they have to gather the straw themselves. Could you imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu was the generator of this darkness or evil? So we see that there's an actual historical event that does this. Why? So how do we understand this? Um, when you think about that, and the idea to that is this. Because remember what I said, whenever God wants to bring a benefit to, for the Jew, then it's in the heavenly tribunal, you see. And then all of a sudden, there's a sudden saying, wait a minute, they can't do this because there's a tremendous amount of dinam, judgment, and a tremendous amount of light that they block. There's a tremendous amount of sins. So they don't deserve this, you see. So, that's, so therefore God says, wait a minute, together with the Mashiach, in order to, to, to bribe you, so to speak, which of course God is saying to himself, I will give you a benefit that the coming of the Mashiach will actually allow you to survive. <coughs> you see? Because it will increase the concept of sin. And that is why in order for, to allow the Mashiach to come, right, then God bribes a sudden with the actual coming of the Mashiach himself. And that is why the Mashiach generates evil. Because that is the way God bribes a sudden with the Mashiach himself. Not through some side idea, peripheral idea, but it's the Mashiach himself that will bring the, 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 uh, the, the darkness and the evil. So therefore the sudden says, wow, okay, because then I can stop, I can get the Jews to sin more, and I can stop what he called the, the redemption, because the Mashiach himself will generate the evil, uh, which is great. That is, tells us what happened, you see. Because you have to remember by Moshe Rabbeinu, the Satan was saying, how could you bring Moshe when the Jews are on the 49th level of Tumor, of defilement? So that's why God said, wait a minute, Moshe Rabbeinu himself will increase the evil or the suffering of the Jews. And as a result of that, they will not believe in redemption. They won't believe in Moshe. And they may, maybe they'll be Meyuyish, which means they'll resign themselves, and maybe they'll worship more idols. Who knows? You see, that was the bribe to the Sultan. We are witnessing, in many ways, the same concept today. Because when God said, I want the first stage of a redemption to begin, which is the Toiv Shebeis of to come, then Sutton says no way because there, there, there's a tremendous amount of sins. So God said, I will allow Trump, you see, to generate a tremendous amount of bad news, darkness, you see, which will increase not only the evil, the darkness, but increase the sinning itself. So the Sutton says, fine. What is the way God will increase the darkness? And now we begin to understand. You see. So the first thing that the Rabbana Shalom does, you see, is that in many ways Trump made a mistake. 
although it's not his fault, what he did is he threatened the left. What does that mean? He said, I'm going to clean the swamp. Now, it is true that that's basically the reason why he was elected, because people wanted, finally, to clean the swamp. But what he did is he created an enormous impetus of the left to destroy him. Why? There's an interesting halacha that the Rambam brings, that if the Jewish people go to war, you, you cannot corner the enemy. Yes. In other words, you can't get him into a corner where he has no escape. Why? Because that will energize the enemy. Because they have no escape. So all of a sudden, their, in, their adrenaline will kick in, and they'll have much greater energy to oppose you than they would have had. That's why the halacha is don't corner an enemy. You know, let him think he can escape, and then they'll oppose you with a certain amount of, you know, resolve and so on. But it's never the same resolve as if you corner them. Interesting halacha, isn't it? So don't corner the enemy. By threatening evil as an existential threat that I will destroy the left, the liberals, right? The radical left, you know, the, the Democratic Party and so on. What he did is he cornered them because he's the president, you see? And what that did is it energized the left, the liberals, the Democratic Party, no matter what, to destroy him. And that's what happened. That's why from day one, before he became president, they're already thinking of how to destroy him. And then you have, of course, the Russian collusion hoax, which was incredible. Then you have Bob Mueller with the nonsense, with the whole thing as a hoax. Then you have the impeachment. This has been going on from day one. Why? Because he has cornered them. And they realize that if they don't get rid of this guy, they're finished. You see? Which is interesting that the halacha explains the psychotic fear that they have of Trump. So, the, so, so uh, God makes sure, and God knows, that this is what Trump's going to do, thereby energizing all the evil to, to try to destroy Trump, which is, of course, the benefit of the Sutton, because Trump wants to destroy evil. Then God says, wait a minute, but as a messianic figure, right, he's going to do tremendous achievements. So the Sutton says, well, what about that? They may want to destroy him, but if he's a messianic figure, you're going to give me incredible what's called Saita Deshmaya, where he will be unbelievably successful. And we know the essential success in America is economy. It's the most important thing in America, you see. So if he succeeds in the economy, then they, they won't be able to destroy him, you see. So God says, which is interesting, don't worry. I will deal with that also. How? Because I'm going to give him a character that people will see as flawed, you see. So it's not only the left, the liberals, and the establishment government that will try to destroy him. Even the people of the United States will try to destroy him. Because they now see a person that they identify as a flawed character, you see. And that's why Trump has a character which appears to be flawed. Now, I believe it's not flawed because Trump is trying to defend himself. Imagine if you were barraged with this incredible attempt to destroy you. Of course, you would be saying these things in defense. 
right? Survival. But people in the United States see that as a flawed character, that he tweets and he opposes everybody and so on. And therefore, he has turned off an enormous amount of people in America, even though, right, uh, he has produced an unbelievable economy. And in fact, he's probably one of the greatest presidents in U.S. history in terms of what he's done for the economy. I, I don't want even to go into it in terms of the the regulations and the, uh, the oil independence. It, it, there's so many things he's done, which is incredible. But the second way benefit of the Sutton is that he comes across with a flawed character that is perceived as flawed, and therefore half America now hates him. It's amazing. So the Sutton still says, wait a minute, but what about his achievements? You see, so the Sutton says, and, and therefore he cannot come. There's all arguments to stop him. So God says, I will bring a third thing to benefit you, and that's the bribe. I will create a dever, a plague, COVID-19. What's COVID going to do? Three things. COVID is going to destroy his achievements, so therefore he can, he, can, he can barely even run on that. The second thing COVID will do Right? Besides de destroying his achievement, right? It will also um, allow his opposition to remain in the basement because of COVID. And therefore, there will be a guy who is actually a criminal. And how can a person like that? He's a socialist, right? And not only that, but he is uh, tremendously mentally challenged, you, you see, and he has committed crimes where they have tremendous proof of that, you see, uh, and, 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 and so on. And he won't have to, to campaign because the COVID will enable, and, 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 and of course, he, COVID will enable him to campaign from his basement. So people don't even see what a poor candidate he is, you see. And as a result of that, and not only that, it will allow this guy to blame Trump for COVID. You see? So God actually uses COVID to destroy Trump. And therefore the Sutton says, no problem. If that's the case, then they will destroy Trump and they will appoint the establishment again, right? To destroy the Tov Shebe'esov and promote evil, because we know what the liberals will do. They will have infanticide, abortion on demand. They will have LGBTQ, and that they, you cannot discriminate anymore, and that will be pervasive throughout America, and so on. It will be a hurban in terms of the sinning of America. And that's the end of Tev Shebeisav, you see. So therefore the sudden says, fine, no problem. So what we see is an incredible concept. Let him come, right? And as a result of his coming, right, he, there will be tremendous amount of uh, suffering. And the, these Amaroim these say, I don't want to see it. You, you see the logic of what's going on here. That the Mashiach himself, in order to allow the God, the Rabbanu Shalom, to bribe the Sutton, himself generates the evil. Shaykh al Sutton, bribery for the Sutton. And therefore the Sutton allows him. Now, what, of course, does God gain? You see? And the answer to that is two ideas. One, the first idea is that God then uses, let's say, COVID as a kapora 
for the sins of the world and certainly of the Jews you see and that is very important he also allows the evil people to use their fulfillment to fulfill the amount of evil that they can do you see and that also happens but the most important thing is that look what he's done for the Jewish state it's incredible he has enormously advanced the Tikkun you see so God knows exactly what he will do but the Sultan is hoping of course that from these different ideas that he will be destroyed and the whole messianic process will stop and this is really why we have seen this psychotic rage hatred and the fact that Biden won you see or apparently didn't win it looks like he won you see now what does that really mean and now we have to understand that we now understand why a messianic figure will generate his own in a certain sense demise which I hate to use the word or generate incredible opposition against them and that's why the rabbis the Chazal did not want to be there when the Mashiach comes could you imagine that and we know why because it enables God to bribe the Sutton with with ideas that will in many ways stop the Mashiach which is exactly what happened by Moshe Rabbeinu and certainly by Trump however <clears throat> the benefit as I said is that this allows people of the world who will benefit from the Mashiach and certainly the Jews to suffer and as a result of that to uh, to uh, uh, have a kapora an atonement right not only that but allows the evil to fulfill their evil and ultimately to be destroyed you see <clears throat> but the question of course is what does all this mean and what will the future be well you'll notice something very interesting and by the way something interesting that Pfizer came out and mentioned a, uh, a cure or 90% effective a vaccine why now you see because the whole point of COVID right was to allow Biden to win the election because that was one of the devices that God used to destroy Trump but now that Biden has won the election or so to speak it looks like he won because obviously he didn't because of course you don't win the uh, media cannot anoint you as the president it's absurd right what's different what he says you see but since COVID is no longer necessary to destroy Trump or seemingly so right you now can have a vaccine interesting the timing is incredible because like I say there's no point in the vaccine in the COVID because the job has been done you see but also what will happen there are three possibilities which I will say now my gut feeling and I'm not a novi or prophet but based on the Ashkofer that I've said one possibility and I believe in this possibility is that Trump will pull off another miracle you see the first miracle right that God did for him was to appoint him as a Mashiach as, as a messianic figure which is the Messiah of Edom right and that was a nest as I pointed out many many times and that what I, I, I feel will happen is that Trump again will pull off a second nest and overturn the election results and that's really what he's doing now and they're gathering tremendous amount of evidence of massive voter fraud and he will be the first one in history to pull off an unbelievable miracle.
to be president against an election that seemed to be for <coughs> Joe Biden. Now, hopefully that's what's going to happen. But we don't know, you see. The second thing that may happen, and I don't believe this will happen, but listen, whatever the plan is, is that the Senate will turn Republican, and therefore they will mitigate, minimize a great deal of the harm that Biden, the radical left, because Biden essentially is a puppet for the radical left, and we know that, that they will take over because Biden will never make the four years of presidency. He's already severely de deteriorating. But the main idea is the fact that the Senate would win the Republican, and that would mitigate the evil that the left, the liberals, the establishment can do. So that seems to be, you know, some type of Rachmanis, right? Rachmanis. So they won't destroy America. That's a possibility. But it will allow uh, the left to rule as president. And the reason for that, of course, is to continue the suffering of the world, because if the U.S. suffers, so will the world, and to continue, unfortunately, the suffering of the Jews. And only God knows when that has to be stopped, and therefore the Tikkun can advance. The third possibility, which I do not believe will happen, but listen, who knows? is that the Senate will turn democratic, in which case Biden and all those people that come after him will destroy the United States, as I mentioned. And in so many different ways, the economy will crash. Uh, he will overturn all the regulations. America will be de dependent on the oil of the Middle East. Iran will succeed. They will flourish. Communist China will flourish. The economy will be a disaster. The immigrations will come to the United States uh, as a free-for-all, uh, and it will be utter chaos because they're going to have free education. I don't even want to go into the, what that scenario will produce. And the reason for that is because what God has done, which is very bad, is He has judged the United States and the world, and He has said, I now want to severely destroy, not destroy so much, but severely uh, uh, make the United States suffer because they are Chayav Misa, because they are now proliferating. Uh, the uh, sexual deviation, sexual perversions that is now going to become rampant throughout the United States. And we know that. And you will not even be able to discriminate against them. That's how rampant. And you're going to have tremendous amount of infanticide, you see, abortion on demand. And maybe even when a child is born, you can still kill the kid. That's what Sicha, you see. So the third possibility of scenario is that God will unleash tremendous suffering on the United States to atone for this and the entire world. That's a third possibility. Uh, but I don't really believe that that will happen again, and that will mean that the window has yet to close more, that we're not up to the final closure of that window, you see. And because that, that's basically what it means. But I want to tell you something, that even if that happens, okay, where the Sultan has now benefited enormously, he has destroyed the Tov Shebe'esav, which is what he was uh, promised in order to allow him to step away from judgment. You see, and this was the bribe. There is what's called a trade-off. There's always a trade-off. In other words, I will allow you to do this, right? However, the trade-off is 
that I will now push through something else messianic. We don't know what that is, but there's always a trade-off, you see. Uh, and that, uh, that trade-off, we don't know, will be some other idea where the God says to the Sultan, since I allowed you to benefit, I'm going to now initiate another uh, benefit for the Mashiach. You see, a trade-off that I'm going to put this through, and this is now justified because the world or the Jews or whoever is now suffering. And that is a trade-off of which we do not know what that is, although one can suspect what it is. But in any case, that will happen. Well, there you are. We now understand what is going on, you see, and why the Mashiach himself causes evil to proliferate. You see, because of the concept that God is concerned with mitigating justice. And like I said, he has different ways of doing it, you see by either, you know, the concept of introducing mercy, rachamim, which suspends judgment, or concealing from the sultan. And the third way is by giving the sultan a, a bribe where he gives him a self-interest to survive. And there are many things that have happened, and I pointed out four of them. And the amazing thing is that Trump is the latest bribery to the Sutton. And I indicated why, because that's the last thing. In order to bribe the Sutton to allow, uh, not to defend justice. Remember, God can kill the Sutton. That's not a problem. But he doesn't want to because he appointed the Sutton to defend justice. So he's not going to kill him and eliminate him. So he has to work with it, you see. But in the end, what happens is the Mashiach will come, the Sutton will be destroyed, right? And the whole messianic, messianic era will begin. And we don't even understand what that means because the messianic era is an era in which there's no Zoyamah because the Sutton is destroyed. There's no defilement. There's no death. There's no disease. There's no bad news. It's all incredible. Every day you wake up will be an unbelievable day, you see. And that's without the Zoyamah. And that's what will happen in the messianic era. So in order to do that, to get around justice, so to speak, God has instituted different mitigating forces or factors, you see. So there are three possibilities which I've mentioned. I believe, and I hope, of course, that this will be overturned by Trump. He will succeed, which will be an incredible ness. It's the second miracle that Trump will have pulled off because God will have done that. And by the way, that is the Venahapechu. Just like Haman was allowed to believe that he will be able to kill the Jews in the first uh, feast uh, that uh, Esther made with Achishverosh, for those who know the Purim story. But in the second uh, meal or feast that Esther made, <laughs> with uh, with uh, Haman to an exact opposite and it was overturned and Haman was killed so we clearly see that evil God allows them to be delusional before he destroys them where they think they're going to succeed and God, then God overnight wipes them out that's v'nahapichu so certainly we're all hoping that that's what's going to happen, that Trump will pull off a, a second miracle in the sense that the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Trump will be restored and continue his tremendous achievements of what I mentioned, all four, 
and it's certainly to assist the Jews is to is with Rav Yavoid Soir that the older will serve the younger. And as a result of that, the teak will happen, and of course the air of Rav will be destroyed, because that has to happen in Israel, and it already the whole government is toppling, is tottering. But my focus tonight is on the uh, Trump and so on, and of course the introduction of the Messianic era. And there are many allusions to that, that this is what will happen, uh, which I had mentioned and so on. Um, that th this is what happened. So let's wait and see. But at least you understand <coughs> what's called the Hashkofa mechanics of how this unbelievable uh, 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 story happened, where the people, where, where, where there has been massive voter fraud, and how uh, how Joe Biden has declared himself to be the victor which of course is nonsense, you know, uh, because uh, it's a, a NBC, the New York Times don't declare victory, of course not, you know, uh, but uh, uh, so that of course is absurd, and we have to hope that this is the agenda of God, to create what's called the Vanahapichu, and to throw them again, just like they were thrown into shock the first time around, the whole establishment, when Hillary lost and Trump won, and they were completely in shock. Hopefully that's exactly what's going to happen now, where they will be again in shock. But this time it's not just a shock in terms of the candidate. They have actually declared Biden to be the victor, the president, and that itself will be overturned. Which is interesting because I'm, I, I feel that that is a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of the name of God. Because then everybody will realize that an incredible miracle has happened. And therefore, there has to be a supreme force, God. And that's the only thing that can pull off this, beyond, this incredible miracle. So in many ways, the restoration of Trump to the presidency will be an incredible divine uh, proliferation, Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of, of the name of God. Well, let's hope that this is a scenario and not the other two, which I've also explained as being a possibility in terms of the Hashkofa. Thank you.